Hey and welcome to our podcast. Today we will talk about the topic of the Committee on AFCO, the legal dispute between Poland, Hungary and the EU about the rule of law. This topic will be discussed during the National Selection Conference of the Netherlands in Rotterdam in February 2022. And we are your hosts today. I'm Sinead and I'm a media team member at the session. And I'm Stella. I'm the chair of the committee on AFCO. And we have a special guest with us today, Damien Buzelager. Would you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, thanks a lot for inviting me and sorry for some background noise. I'm currently in commute, uh, so sorry for that. Um, I'm Damien and I'm basically a new member of parliament with the Volt movement, which I founded uh, four and a half years ago. And now I sit in five committees and one of them is the AFCO committee uh, where I'm a full member that work on a lot of topics concerning EU reform and I very much like it. So I'm very much looking forward to your questions. Okay, so before we start with the questions, I will give a short overview on the topic. Both Hungary and Poland have reformed their justice system, making the judiciary more independent. By doing so, they both have disrespected the European rule of law and thus have violated a basic principle the EU is founded on. This has been strongly condemned by the institutions of the EU and other member states. The European Commission has reacted with several measures trying to make Poland and Hungary rerogue the critical reforms. Yet this was not successful, especially Poland keeps insisting on its national freedom to change their constitution. By not recognizing any of the sanctions and judgments of the ZGEU, the country confronts the Commission with unprecedented issues. The overview mentions measures that are being taken to protect fundamental European values such as democracy and rule of law. Could you explain to us what sort of measures these are and who is carrying them out? Yeah, so I mean, the issue um, here is obviously, as you mentioned, that there is, um, you know, a lack of independence of the judiciary in, in Poland and um, Hungary, um, actually also in some other member states, including uh, to an extent um, Germany and some others, but uh, I'll come back to that maybe later. And the question is a bit, okay, you know, like when you join the European Union, um, you need to fulfill some basic criteria of how independent your judiciary is, so basically to ensure that the current running government can, can't really, you know, change what kind of court judgments are being made um, and that basically fundamental rights are being upheld. And like in, um, in some of the countries, especially, as you said, Poland um, and Hungary, um, the government was able to somehow turn this around. So, for example, in Poland, um, the government said like, that the previous government under Donald Tusk was too connected to the judiciary. And they said, oh, because all these judges are actually political, we're going to um, replace some of them. We're going to tell them that they need to retire after a certain age. And we're going to set up a new constitutional court, uh, which they call the Constitutional Tribunal, um, which was completely basically manned, if you want, or woman, I don't know <laughs> what the right term for that is, but like with, with people who were happy um, with the current government and who were actually supporting it. And so and this new tribunal then started ruling against the European Court of Justice, uh, saying that the, this European court doesn't really actually hold 
the right to interpret the treaties in, in, Hungary, in, in Poland. So, so there are these um, issues. And I mean, I'm not sure what concrete measures you're talking about. Maybe the rule of law conditionality mechanism or others that the European Union is now taking to ensure that the um, you know, independence of, of the judiciary is reinstated. But I'm happy to, to talk about that too if, if there was a question. Sorry. So um, it would be nice if you like could just give a quick overview also about what the Commission did so far um, mm -hmm. to make Poland and Hungary revoke these critical reforms, what they did? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also on the European level, you need to differentiate a bit between the European Court of Justice, um, which is basically the judiciary arm, and then obviously the Commission, which is the executive arm. Um, and then Parliament, which is, if you like, the, the legislative arm of, of the European level. And so what happened on the European level is that obviously these issues are uh, quite known for quite some time. Um, and for Poland, um, what happened is that the European Court of Justice basically ruled that uh, Poland is uh, with the Constitutional Tribunal and some of the measures that were taken undermining um, what we call the independence of the judiciary and that they need to return and revoke basically their, um, yeah, the, the steps that they took. And so the European Court of Justice said, um, if you don't do that, um, there will be a fine. <laughs> and then uh, the, basically the European Commission was asked to set a fine and they set it to 1 million euros a day, I think, for um, basically if they don't fulfill this these measures. And so that's the first part, basically, the European Court of Justice saying you are in breach of EU law and the European Commission putting a fine next to that uh, judgment of 1 million euros per day. Um, the second thing is that for Poland, there was also the, um, the question of um, the rule of law conditionality mechanism. So that basically um, the rule of law conditionality mechanism says it was a new law that was proposed already some time ago and then it was uh, closed uh, last year in the context of the budget negotiations, of the seven-year budget negotiations. And there um, we basically said that, like, look, if you don't, uh, if there's no independence of the judiciary and we can somehow show that, like, the European money is somehow affected by this, and then we can stop this European money by flowing. And this uh, rule of law conditionality mechanism officially came into force um, on the 1st of January a year ago. Um, but we are still waiting by the, or like for an application of the European Commission. And currently that is a bit um, halted or is not really happening. Um, one, because the European Commission just has to, like, since this law only came in, into force in the 1st of January a year ago, it only applies to um, funds that are given out since this 1st of January a year ago. And so basically they still need to see whether they're actually funds at risk from that money that uh, was flowing. And so that's like the official argument. There's also an unofficial argument, which they very openly say, and that is that Hungary and Poland both um, uh, went to court against uh, the, the rule of law conditionality mechanism, trying to stop it. And somehow von der Leyen agreed to not really use this mechanism until the court has said that it's okay. And this will happen, I think, in the next weeks, actually. Um, so this is the, the, the second point. And the third point is um, that, and that's a law that I was also negotiating, we made it clear that um, the recovery money that the EU was giving out, so the rule of, uh, sorry, the recovery and resilience facility, that's basically 672.5 billion euros um, out of the 705 billion euros that were given out with the, you know, as a response to um, the pandemic and all the economic downturn that was happening. 
And we said that basically this money and the share of it that can flow to Poland can only flow if Poland shows that it fulfills or that it does reforms to somehow safeguard its judiciary again. Um, and that's a lot of money, again, that basically is stopped from flowing just because of uh, the fact that Poland has an, like, an, an issue with its judiciary, if you like. So these are like the three measures that are, in my mind, currently basically that are actually ongoing. Uh, so this law case and the, the money that's the 1 million euro daily fine. Um, the, the second one being the rule of law conditionality mechanism that is very soon going to be active, very likely. And the third one is this recovery money, which is also conditional on, on a change. Yeah? But there are obviously more. I mean, there's also still the question of when will there be um, the Article 7 procedure? If, you know, is it going to be unblocked because somehow we open it at the same time against Poland and Hungary so that they can't veto each other's um, basically rule of law um, Article 7 procedures? So that's, that's uh, I think, another question that there probably a range of other other measures that we can take to somehow increase pressure. But maybe um, it would be also interesting for me to hear what kind of measures you were considering and to see if, if there's things that, you know, go beyond of what would we have been discussed. Well, that's, that's at the end the work of the delegates to figure out which, which um, other solutions would there be for this problem. Like, you've mentioned these main measures, but Also, with having the fine of 1 million euros per day, which is a lot of money, <laughs> if we consider the days um, since this fine was put in place, there hasn't happened anything since then. And I would say like Poland especially still um, says that its constitution and the changes of its constitution, which the country has made, um, are fine. And they they refuse to pay the fine of one million dollar euros per day. And also, um, yeah, as you mentioned, they they um, went to the court, to the European Court of Justice, and um, let the court review this mechanism. So actually, these measures they don't show um, some results. So what next steps? I wouldn't say that um, in, in general, yeah? because obviously, I mean, the Polish government is not backing down. Yeah, That's clear. They have made it part of their political agenda. And you also have to understand that the Polish government is um, in a coalition government with the far-right party, basically peace in the far-right party that is fielding the justice minister. Um, and so they basically, they're not backing down right now. But the, the two measures that you have been uh, talking about, um, they will be effective. Yeah? The first one is uh, the, the fine, the daily fine, Yes, there's, I don't know, 40 to, 40 to 60 million euros, I think, already in fines if I calculate the days. Um, but that's like on a budgetary scale of the whole country, that's actually not that much money, to be honest. Um, the RF funds are of a much higher, I mean, here we're talking billions, which is obviously, uh, you know, like a thousand times <laughs> millions. So um, there's much more money at play there. But the interesting thing is that if the fine is not being paid, the European Commission can just um, deduct it from the funds that Poland gets normally. Yeah? So we don't have to wait for them to pay. Uh, we can actually just reduce the pay that the European Union gives, for example, in cohesion policy or other, you know, other funds that we are um, putting forward. And yes, when it comes to the rule of law, basically, I mean, the rule of law mechanism is in place, meaning it can't be stopped. Yeah? I mean, if the European Court of Justice says the mechanism is unlawful, 
then it should anyways not be enforced. Yeah. So that's I think that's okay. You know, I think what's not okay is that the European Commission said we are going to wait with the application of a law um, until the European Court of Justice actually says it's fine, which is a really weird understanding of of how the European legal order is supposed to work. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an issue in itself, and I think it shows that the council, uh, that the Commission is very often afraid of doing something against the national heads of state and government, and I think that's an issue in itself about the independence of the commission. But um, still, like the, the law is in effect, and it's also true, as I said, that the commission just needs to wait also for some time to be able to um, to actually see what kind of funds were at risk. Yeah? Um, so I think both of these cases are um, arguments for something that could still work. But I think the bigger question is, um, I mean, will Poland change course? In general, yeah? and this is a question I can't answer. Um, I think the only thing that we can all try is to somehow fight for a stronger uh, rule of law in these countries, and we, from the European Parliament side, are definitely trying this with all our power. Um, but in the end, we need also the Polish people to ensure that their government is not a right-wing, uh, crazy government. And I've, uh, you know, discussed with Prime Minister Morawiecki in the plenary um, in the European Parliament two, three months ago. And it was a horror show, yeah? I mean, it was, a, for me, an actual right-wing um, populist speech uh, given by a prime minister of a country in the middle of the European Parliament. And, and that's quite depressing, but this guy got elected. So you really need to make sure also that the Polish people know um, what's happening and what kind of uh, issues can be created by, um, by, by, by electing these people and that this has ramifications and that can potentially lead to an exit of uh, of Poland of the European Union, which nobody wants, yeah? and especially not the Polish people. And sorry, just to mention Hungary for one second. Hungary, to be honest, is obviously a corrupt regime. Yeah? So that's a different um, pair of shoes. It's not completely different because they also destroyed their judiciary or the independence of their judiciary. But it's um, it's less money that they get from the European Union in total, um, and also they just, I mean. Yeah, they, they're just a bit different in terms of how they function, and, uh, and, and there the issue is rather how do we ensure that you know a corrupt government uh, becomes less corrupt, and EU money is not used to build villas for for individual office holders. Yeah? Mm. yeah, for sure. But like as you mentioned, these people they were elected the government, so it's also a question about how much the EU or the European Commission should interfere in these countries because in the end it's still an elected democratically elected government so the people they kind of chose what they wanted and then it's the question yeah how much should the eu like here um say what the government should do or not do and also keep the interests of the population in mind and also here bearing in mind that uh, most of the population in both poland and hungary want to um, be in the European Union so they don't want to leave the European Union and yeah like keeping in mind that um, the European Commission should not not um, let a, for example poll exit happen again I think it's a question of how much pressure do you apply yeah? but in the end um, as you also said The only one being able to change a government or interfere with the government is the people of that country um, still. And so I think it's really up to um, the Polish citizens. I think what the EU can do is to uphold its law 
uh, on its side. Eh? And I mean, that's why it makes sense to have a rule of law conditionality mechanism saying like, okay, you can do whatever you want in the country, but you can't, uh, you know, waste European taxpayers' money by um, just randomly, uh, you know, assuming that if there's no independence of the judiciary, there's also no control of uh, if this money is legally and lawfully spent according to the laws of the European Union. So for us, it's really just saying, like, look, if you destroy your judiciary, then you don't have our trust in handing out EU funds, yeah? very simply put. And EU funds are EU taxpayers' funds, and so uh, we don't want that. Um, so if you don't want to play by the rules, it's fine, but then you also just end getting cash in, in a way, if that makes sense. So I think uh, rather than, I would rather, I think I would never call it the EU interfering in Polish national matters. I'd rather say there are rules of the game and all people or all countries subscribe to them and they're called the treaties of the European Union. If you don't want to follow these rules anymore, then you will have to deal with the fact that, you know, a neutral entity like the European Court of Justice tells you you're not following the rules and there is a fine if you don't follow the rules. So, and if you really don't want to follow the rules and leave the European Union, then you can do that, um, as we have recently seen. Uh, but it's a uh, it's a global shit, shit show, so don't do it. I mean, sorry, <laughs> that's no my, my analysis of uh, of the situation. And I think the Polish government, the current Polish government, is lying to its citizens about that and is trying to twist the facts around and saying they're really trying to force us to do stuff which we don't want to do, and so, which is not true. It's just a you know a treaty they signed, and they need to. Even this government of Poland needs to follow it, as does every government of the European Union. So at the end, it would just be if if Poland and Hungary really don't revoke any of the critical sanctions, it would just be the EU having to respect that Poland and Hungary changed their constitutions, but then cutting down their budget, um, which they get from the EU, and it would just be like this situation with yeah not <laughs> a very very good relationship between um the rest of the eu and those two member states right then at the very last step having a poll exit for example but i think that would be the the step the eu would definitely try to not take but so i i'm wondering how can eu um obtain a good relationship or not a very good one but still a neutral relationship to those countries if they really um, don't pay the sanctions and don't revoke the critical reforms so they just get the budget cut and the EU just kind of says it's it's fine um, yeah how how can they obtain this this relationship so it's not I think it's, uh, honestly, I think it's not about, um, I mean, we can always be friendly. Everyone can always be friendly. Yeah? So we can always say, like, it's, uh, we, you know, respect your choice, your democratically elected government, uh, which is more or less true for Hungary, but like, anyway, um, you know, do uh, as you please. But here is your, uh, your options of action, and here is what the consequences of your action are. Yeah? And this is um, an objective Uh, decision that you know or is an objective reality um, that you and all of us have to follow um, and you can be angry about this or happy about this but it's just a fact yeah and I think if if this is the kind of um, communication that we do and yes you know if they really go against everything that um, that the European Union stands for of course we need to uh, 
um, you know, trigger Article 7 and these harder measures to ensure that, you know, these governments actually feel the consequences of, of their action. And I think we need to also get a bit better in explaining to all our citizens, including the Polish and the Hungarian citizens, um, what the governments are doing and, uh, yeah, and somehow explain that a bit more easily. But I have to say that in the end, this is a negotiation. Yeah? And uh, you need to somehow be able to show uh, these governments that their actions um, are more harmful or like that going against the European Union and the European treaties is more harmful for them as political parties in power than if they would actually, um, you know, adhere to, to, to the treaties. And you need to do this credibly. Incredibly means that you also say in the end, um, look, if you don't follow these rules, there will be consequences. And so far, I think the issue of the European Union has not been that we haven't had tried to have good relations with these governments. Yeah? The issue of the European Union has been that we have been far too weak in saying from the beginning that what was done was not okay. And this is especially true for Hungary, where we have always tried to say, you know, together with Merkel, who's never really strong in uh, defending the rule of law, um, in a sense of like actually applying, you know, consequences to, to the actions that were taken. And so I think uh, we need to really try to do this more on a stronger level. And I think that means that we could also consider, you know, if there are extreme measures by these governments to have extreme answers uh, also by the, not extreme, but like the appropriate answers by, by the European Union, if that makes sense. So do I know uh, which uh, direction is going to go? You know, who will uh, cave in first? Or will there be creative solutions that somehow allow the Polish government to keep their face while at the same time revoking and the, the reforms that destroyed the independence of the judiciary? Look, I'm, I'm all for face saving and, and keeping it all happy and, and clappy, but um, it's very simple. You can't have a government appoint judges for constitutional court that then uh, you know overcomes all national courts and, and basically forbids national courts to to rule on on european issues as it currently does yeah i mean this is a, it's just a, a really dangerous destruction of uh, rule of law and therefore also democracy that is happening in a member state and that cannot be countered with uh, let's have good relations with this government it's just not possible anymore yeah, but the, at the end, it's, I think the governments of Poland and Hungary won't revoke this critical reforms because then they would show kind of a weakness because then they would say, okay, what we did was not the correct thing. And I, I don't think they would do that. So in the you end, think I they would rather they would rather leave the European Union than to um, change. I mean, there's a lot of money coming from Europe. Huh? Like, don't underestimate that. It's a lot yeah, of yeah, of course. I I don't know what their plan is. I I would like to understand it. Like really like to understand it. I think they just try out um, the most. So how far they can go, I think. Um, yeah, but they, I I think they will be reached some point in the future where they cannot go further. But I think also in the end it is up to the population, as you said in the beginning. Um, to stop this behavior of the government, I think it's only the like really only the population who can who can really stop that, not the European Commission. I agree.
I think in the end, um, you know, the European Commission can only say that whatever the current government is doing leads Poland step by step or Hungary step by step out of the European Union. And then the Polish people and the Hungarian people need to decide whether they want mm. to support that further or not. We have another question, which is, what is the role of the APCO committee in this whole issue? Because it will be the APCO committee in Rotterdam who will be discussing this issue as well. I have to be quite honest. The majority of rule of law questions is decided in the Liebe committee. Um, uh, so um, basically, like, uh, I mean, all committees talk about these issues. And then when, as soon as it comes to an actual uh, question of leaving the European Union, um, then, then like these, these discussions are being held uh, in the African committee. And so, for example, we're currently reviewing Article 50 procedures. So, because obviously it was not very well done um, under the uh, under um, Brexit. So, can we somehow make you know make the procedure of leaving the European Union less catastrophic or disruptive for for the European Union as a whole? Not to make it easier in general, but to to just set up a procedure that is actually functioning. And so that's something that we are currently looking at. Um, but uh, all the questions of, yeah, if you like the sanctioning and so on, that's all under the Liber Committee. But it doesn't matter because all committees always discuss everything. Um, so I think I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I would have, I, I said these things that I said to you also within the APCO Committee, but let's say officially responsible for rule of law issues is the Liber Committee. So we would have to rename the committee at this session. <laughs> okay, I think that was everything from our side. Um, but it has been an absolute uh, pleasure talking to you, um, Shane and Silla, and I hope this is helpful for you to an extent um, to, to work with in, in, in your discussions. It is. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I think we've gained a whole lot more knowledge and thank you for listening to all of our delegates and other listeners and see you in Rotterdam.